So we have been obviously going through Romans. Uh, Andrew started talking about Romans, and then we figured, this is so good, let's just carry on. Uh, so uh, Andrew reminded us that we are called, captivated, and changed. Uh, Liz spoke on the next few verses, Paul's words, grace and peace to you. Kind of what does that mean? Um, you know, what's grace, what's peace, those things. Andrew Thomas encouraged us to be brand ambassadors, just like Jack is for that BMX or that bike company, whatever it is up. Um, and kind of making, making Christ famous around the world and making our faith famous around the world, like the, Romans, like the Roman church's faith was. But today we're going to step back ever so slightly and we're going to um, ask a very important question. What is a Christian? It's obviously a very useful question to ask. Um, in our opinion, but maybe you don't think it is, I would like to show you that it is a particularly important one to ask and to answer. Uh, All of us have asked that at some point, I imagine, Um, whether that was when we were small to our parents, or whether that's to um, people around us who were Christians, and how we we got to know Christ ourselves. Um, Maybe you're listening in on YouTube today, and you've never really had that question answered. Hopefully I'll answer it a bit for you today. Maybe you found us on Facebook, or maybe you've signed up for an Easter craft bag and you're just checking us out before we give those to you. Nice to see you, if that's you. Um, uh, But what is a question is a very important question to ask. Even if you've been going to church for a bit, or even if you kind of think you know, you've never just had the kind of the, I don't know, the, the guts to actually ask this question directly. You've never actually said to someone, okay, but I know roughly what Christians are and everything, but what is a Christian? Maybe you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for ages, but it's all become a bit abstract and you've forgotten and you need reminding. What is a Christian? Well, Paul writes in verses uh, 9 to 10, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Daniel's very excited to hear my voice, apparently. Uh, So, God's word reveals to us four important truths which we're going to cover. First one is that a Christian is known. Maybe I should have written that as a Christian knows as well. A Christian is known and a Christian knows. What is a Christian? It means that God knows you and that you are trying to get to know God more and more. Maybe you do know God partly already, but the, the, the pursuit of being a Christian is to know God more. Paul here declares that God is his witness. That means God knows him as well. God knows what you do. He can attest to your actions, like in a court. He can witness that what you have done, what you haven't done. Um, you can put his name down on a reference for a job interview, if you like. He can be one of your references, one of your witnesses. He can speak up for you. He can put in a good word for you. And he truthfully knows you. He doesn't just have this, the, the, the image which you project to the world. But God knows who you really are. Why? Because he created you. God made you. He knows what you're best at. He knows what you're made for. He also knows what you struggle with. God knows your flaws and he knows your potential. God is your witness in court and your supporter at your side. And your heavenly father who knows you intimately and is watching your every move. God can be our witness because he's with us and because he's for us. So a Christian is someone who knows, is known by God, and who knows God, and recognizes that they are known by God, and attempts to know God back. Um, It says in Psalm 139, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. 
You perceive my thoughts from afar. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And Paul also writes to the church in Ephesus. He writes, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So that's amazing, isn't it? God knows us, and in fact, he chooses you even though he knows you. He knows you completely, and he still chooses you. Um, If you think of Paul, Paul is writing this. Paul is thinking, look, God witnessed me when I was holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. God witnessed me, Paul, when I was persecuting the church and orchestrating the murder of the early church. And God witnessed Paul's change of character when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. God witnesses that his character has changed, that he's a saint, no longer a sinner. And God witnesses that about you as well, if you're a Christian, that your position has changed because he changes it. Secondly, um, I fear we may have got lost slightly in those first five words. Uh, secondly, Paul says um, that, well, so Paul is saying that God is witnessing, but what else is God witnessing specifically, apart from all of those things I just said? Well, God is witnessing that he prays all the time for this church in Rome. Um, as Andrew Thomas said, Roman, Rome was one of the churches which unusually, for the New Testament, it was a group of believers Paul had not actually been to. It's a church which he hadn't started. Most of the letters in the New Testament, which Paul has written, are to churches where he has been personally, or he's about to go personally, but Rome he hasn't actually been to yet. So uh, Paul says in this verse as well that a Christian is someone who prays. Someone who prays always, someone who prays persistently, someone who prays without ceasing. And prayer is one of the most wonderful and underused parts of being a Christian. Uh, Prayer, remember, what is it? It's just talking to God. It gives you an audience with the king of the universe who created everybody and everything. And it turns that audience with a king into asking a loving father for something when he wants to give you good gifts. And yet it is so easy to pray with ceasing. I pray ceasingly all the time. It's very easy to pray for something. I shouldn't do, but I, I do. Um, it's very easy to pray for something, and then maybe you just give up when it doesn't happen after a while. Or, or you forget because some other need comes up. It's very easy to say to people, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you. And you either completely forget, or you pray once. And they go, good, I fulfilled my duty, I prayed for that person once. Whereas I, I doubt that if they're asking you to pray, they mean, just pray for me this one time. They mean, pray unceasingly, help stand by me. And Paul would like us to, Jesus wants us to pray unceasingly for others and for ourselves. How is that to do with being known with the first point? Well, because a Christian knows God, they know that they can talk to God. It's about having a relationship with God, about having a relationship with your Father. Through prayer and through God's word, we can know God more and more, and we can ask sometimes. But like I said, sometimes it's really hard. Uh, Think of of friends which you've lost contact with just because just stops talking to them. Not because they did anything, you just haven't really spoken to them in a while, especially through the pandemic. If it's people where you'd see them, you know, roughly once a month or even every few months and you just haven't been able to, you might not have spoken to some really good friends for quite a while. Um, But then equally think of those friends who you don't see for ages, but as soon as you do see, it's just like old times again. You're straight back in there. Uh, Relationship is like it hasn't been paused at all. Well, God is the author of that feeling. God says that to you as well. If you haven't prayed for a while, if you haven't been thinking about something, if you've given up on praying on something, then we must not think, oh, I I couldn't bring it up now because I stopped praying for that, didn't I? We mustn't think, oh, I can't pray because I haven't prayed for so long. God will be annoyed. No, 
pray always and persistently. God is always waiting to hear us pray. Um, we're told, aren't we, that the, the prayers of the saints, the prayers of us who are Christians, or anybody's prayers, rise like incense to God. And so pray always and persistently. And in fact, we're told this many, 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 many times in the New Testament because it's as if we need telling many, many times to pray always. Romans 12.12 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Philippians 4 verse 6, in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Ephesians 6 18, pray at all times in the spirit. Colossians 4 verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Watchful because it's very difficult to pray without ceasing. We need to be told it many, many times. So just in case you haven't heard, Hope Church Redvelin, pray unceasingly, me included. Pray without ceasing. Pray for what? Well, as Paul is here, pray for other people. Show compassion, show empathy, uh, learn love. Pray for what you need, because God knows what's on your mind before you even speak it. He knows what we need before we get up, before we lie down. He knows what we need. Uh, he knows what's in our head. Pray because you should get to know God, because having a relationship with God is worthwhile. Um, Jesus says that God is listening and that he knows how to give good gifts to those who love him. He knows how to give good gifts even as you know how to give, gift, to give good gifts as well. Pray through scripture, read the Psalms, read, meditate on the word, pray to know God's will. So what is a Christian? Someone who is known and someone who prays. Thirdly, a Christian is active. What is a Christian? Well, the word Christian, remember, means Christ follower. It means a little Christ. It's someone who serves God. Uh, when Paul says here to, that he serves with his spirit, that might sound a little bit strange. Maybe you haven't really given much thought to what your spirit is, whether you have a spirit. Well, in some ways it could say that it just means to give your all. It means to give your everything. We're told to love God with all our heart, mind, uh, strength, and body. No. Whatever the four are that Jesus says. <laughs> heart, mind, strength, and soul. I think those are them. Uh, we're, told to, we're told to love God with everything and to love our neighbor as ourselves by Jesus. Um, so to serve with your spirit means to serve with yourself, to serve with your you, to serve with your, your essence. And God created you. He didn't create just your body, but your very you-ness, your personality, what makes you you, yourself, your spirit. Um, the eternal part of you that doesn't stop upon death, but the bit which continues and goes to wherever your choices have chosen in life, whether that's to God or whether that's from God. Um, and Paul serves God with his all. We are called to do the same. So a Christian doesn't just serve God on a Sunday from 3 to 4.30 uh, or even a few times a week or even Sunday morning. A Christian is someone who serves God with everything they can because they know God and God knows them and because prayer is good, because they have a relationship with him, they know that God is good, they know that God is worth service. James says that faith without works, faith without service is dead. It's not that we need to um, do these things, as I'm about to say, but works are evidence of our faith. Works are, are kind of, yeah, works are evidence of our faith. Works, faith which isn't active is a passive faith, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. Um, if, you, if you want to know more, read the first three chapters of Revelation and what Jesus says to seven churches. To some of them, he says some quite um, scary things where he says, you guys are doing great, but you've forgotten to love anymore. Or, you know, you guys are just, like, lukewarm. So, 
be active um, as well. Service to God is not how we get to heaven. It is not in an effort to pay penitence for our sins, to try and make up for what we haven't done before. Good works do not earn us favor or points with God. Nothing we do gets us closer to deserving heaven. Only what Jesus has done can do those things. Jesus' perfect life of service to God, and his perfect death of surrender to God, and his perfect resurrection to the glory of God are all that matter for us. Those are the things that earn us heaven. We haven't earned it. Jesus has earned it, and he gives it to us as a gift if we follow him. Um, so these, these works, this service, this active being Christian, it should be out of the joy and the love and the wonder and the freedom that we know as a Christian. Um, perhaps you've lost that wonder. Perhaps your love has been kind of diminished for Jesus. Well, recapture it. Read the gospel. Read what God has done for you. Read God's word. Pray. Get the relationship back with God, and it should return. Get other people to pray for you, that it does return as well. We can all stand together when that happens. A Christian is someone who is active, though, as I said, this doesn't happen on its own. It's not passive. To serve is a verb. It's a doing word. We need to serve actively. What do we serve for? Well, Paul says he serves in his spirit in the gospel of his son. The gospel of his son. The gospel requires active service because Jesus' final words to us are a task. You can't do a task without doing anything. Um, You can't do a task passively. Jesus' last words are to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach, uh, to begin the church, to build the kingdom. Those are all things which we have to actively do which they don't happen passively. Uh, Paul writes later um, in verse 12-ish, this bit at the bottom, this is my paraphrase. He says, The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and now to the ends of the earth by us, the church. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from belief or faith for more belief and faith. And to remember the phrase that the righteous shall live by faith. We have been made righteous, so we should live by faith. We should live by trust. And as I said, James says that faith without works is dead. That Faith um, produces works, that we should be active in this um, being a Christian. Uh, As Andrew Thomas again spoke about last week, that might be like that guy going to Hong Kong in your 80s, or it might be living in Rudvelin in your 20s to 50s. Uh, But the gospel demands action. If you hear the gospel and are not moved to tell others, then maybe you haven't actually heard it. Um, Leave a tract, bless someone in need, offer prayer, live differently. A Christian is someone who lives differently because of the gospel. They live actively in the gospel. What are we doing as a church? How do people know that we are Christians as a church? Well, because we served the youth um, before COVID with Eden, didn't we? With the youth group. Uh, We served the seeking with Alpha, with God and Grub. Uh, We've blessed the community with craft bags and Santa runs. Things like that. Um, We want to buy the sports bar to get a community hub so that we can bless people further. To have a, a single place where we're located. So how are you living differently? Or are you living differently? Do people know you're a Christian because of the way you act? Or are you dare I say, are you indistinguishable? So a Christian is known, a Christian prays, and a Christian is active. Finally, a Christian is confident. Mm. A Christian is confident. Why? Because we don't need to trust in our own abilities, but in the abilities of the God that we serve. Paul prays that by God's will, he will succeed. Not by his own will, not by chance, 
you know, that the fates will align and he'll be able to finally go and see them. Paul knows that whatever is God's will, will be. And he's just saying that at last, I think finally, God's will is for me to go and see you now. Being a Christian, understanding that balance, that fine balance between free will, predestination, God's plans, that, that can all be complicated. We're not tasked with understanding all of that. We're just asked to trust that God knows what's best and God's will happens. Um, we don't have to work out the intersection between the two. So how do you build that trust? How do you build that confidence in God? Well, I know of two easy ways. First of all, step back a moment when you're reading the Bible and just consider what is in your hands, what's on your app. Um, consider its time span, its many different authors all working together to, same this, to tell the same story. I uh, think that so many of the things that happened to Israel were promised to them in, in parts of the Old Testament happened later in the Old Testament. So many of the things promised about Jesus or about the coming Messiah happened to Jesus. Uh, many things which are out of his physical control, like being born in Bethlehem, like being of David's lineage, being pierced on the cross for our transgressions, all those things. Um, I think it's something like 100 or 300 different prophecies about Jesus, about the coming Messiah, were fulfilled in his lifetime. Uh, it's one of the kind of more uh, academic evidences, if you like, for, for Jesus being who he says he was. The Bible is one huge interconnected narrative which paints God's complexity and brilliant authorship of it so clearly. Uh, think about the minuscule probabilities of these things happening. The second thing you can do is basically the same, but rather than for the Bible, for your own life or for someone else's life. Um, step back and consider how is it that you have got exactly here today? How did you get to this exact place now? How is it that you've maybe clicked this link and are listening to this sermon and are still here today? Um, you know, think of all the times when you've been either strangely fortunate or strangely un-unfortunate. Um, so many times, you know, you can think of where God has saved you from your bad decisions turning out an awful lot worse than they could have been, and He's blessed you with many of your okay decisions turning out to be absolutely great because God was in them. In after all, um, think of uh, for me personally, I like to think of how I met my family, how I met Sarah. Uh, Sarah and I met at university. For a moment, or for a while, we were both going to different universities, different places. Um, Sarah was given a prospectus, I believe, on the way to a flight to South Africa, and just checked it out and thought, oh, actually, this place is great. Um, I was um, told by my uh, A-level teachers that you need to have five things for UCAS, not just four. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll look for another university to apply for, and found um, Glamorgan, the one I went to. And then we went, and the rest is history. So think about where you are now. How did you get here? Think of how much you've been spared and think of how much you've been blessed with. It'd be great, wouldn't it, if part of our coffee, as we have tea and coffee at the start of church, as Andrew said, we can tell each other how we've been blessed this week and how much we've been spared even, if you're brave enough to say. So a Christian is someone who is confident in the future because they can see that God works all things for good, that he has a brilliant plan. God is not surprised by anything well, I want to emphasize. In fact, I don't think I can ever emphasize that enough. God is never surprised by anything that happens to us or to other people. He's not surprised by what we do. Um, think of the story of Jonah. That's a good, um, difficult example of free will and predestination all working out in the same place. God asks Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah chooses not to and to run away. And God redirects him to Nineveh um, and you know, as we know, the rest of the story happened. God uh, spares the Ninevites. But 
God always know, God always knew that when he asked Jonah, Jonah would say no. He knew that they would draw lots and that the lot would fall on Jonah, and so he'd been thrown overboard. God knew where the ship was going to be at that point to have the fish swallow him and, and somehow spit him up on land as well. God knew that the Ninevites would also repent upon hearing their judgment. When God says, tell the Ninevites that they're going to all perish in 40 days, he's telling the truth at that moment, that is what will happen. But God also knows that um, that won't continually happen. He knows that they will repent and that the judgment does not have to be carried out. So free will is quite difficult to think about sometimes. But um, a Christian is confident that God's will always happens, no matter what. Paul, going back to Paul in this verse, he prays that by God's will he will at last succeed in coming to the Roman church. He's tried beforehand but been unsuccessful. We don't really know how. Maybe his boat got cancelled. Maybe other things demanded his attention. Maybe there's a pandemic. Who knows? Um, Maybe whatever he planned, whenever he planned a trip, he was always somehow needed elsewhere and something else came up. But he seems to know that this time he will be able to go to them. Not because he's planned it better, not because he's got backup ships to go to Rome, but because he's confident that actually if it's God's will for it to happen this time, then it will happen. And it feels like it is God's will this time. Somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Christians, as a result of all of this, should be some of the most relaxed and calm people that there are. Not in a slothful way, but in a purposeful way, in a never-getting-flustered way. Partly because Jesus tells us not to worry about anything, um, but because before we know what we need, God already knows and God already provides. Um, sometimes before we even pray, God has already answered our prayer, or at least set in motion the answer. Um, I, I like reading about the Bristolian George Muller, who started orphanages in Bristol in the 1800s and had incredible, incredible confidence in God's absolute provision. He gets some, get some books about him, get some Kindle books for free about him, um, or paper books about him as well, if you want. Um, but his, his own work as well is great on just God's provision. Um, he recounts many, many times how God provided for them in every way possible. I listened to this short but wonderful story about provision. Um, they run out of food in this orphanage. There's 300 children in this orphanage, and they've just run out of food and run out of money. Um, but he's not bothered. Uh, George Muller is not worried because he knows that God will provide. And so he says to the staff, look, just, just keep going as planned. So um, we start. The children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat, the house mother of the orphanage informed George Muller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining hall anyway and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food that would have been provided and waited. George knew that God would provide food for the children, as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Muller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I'll bring it all in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His car had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time his wheel was fixed. He asked George if they could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in ten large cans of milk, just enough for the 300 thirsty children. Before George Muller has even prayed, the baker's already baked all of the bread. The wheel is already broken in whichever way it's going to broken. It's, all, it's going to be broken so that it breaks just outside the orphanage. God has already provided before they've even asked. So a Christian is someone who relies on their God 
to provide for their needs, to carry out his will, knowing that if anything is in God's will, then it will be done in his time. Just as before any good expedition, a bag is packed. That's what that thing is. That's the contents of a bag for an expedition. Um, Just as before a good expedition, a bag is packed with everything necessary and everything may be needed as well. There's a route planned. There's options to fall back on. Waypoints are marked on the map. Preparation and provision is vital. God does that for us as well. God has done the same. He knows what is necessary and needed and what we might require. God has planned the route to what he uh, wants us to do. He has the diversion route for certain obstacles, and he has the equipment to tackle other obstacles, but nothing surprises him. He knows the milestones we'll get to in our journeys, but a Christian is someone who is confident that they can do God's will because God is with them and he has prepared them to carry out his will. So, a Christian is relationally known by God and wants to know God and is known by God and wants to know God more. A Christian prays, wanting others to be blessed by the creator who loves them and asking for provision and strength and what seems good. A Christian is active, wanting to serve God out of the joy of relationship and as a loving son serves a father. And a Christian is confident, having peace when we shouldn't. The Bible talks about peace which transcends understanding. Because we know that God's will is good, his plan will be, and nothing ever surprises him. Paul writes this letter because he cares about the church in Rome. Uh, Romans is an amazing book with so much to study and learn about. We will literally be in Romans for the next decade if we carry on going through it. Um, I believe we'll have a break at some point, but you know. Uh, We're only looking at Romans 1 for now. Um, If you're interested, I made a transliteration of Romans once. Um, In fact, I did it in the first COVID lockdown, I think, over summer. Um, I found it a really helpful way to study what was Romans trying to say by trying to re-say it. You're welcome to read it if you really want. Um, But what is Romans about in general? It is about how our new master, Jesus, is superior to and redeems us from our old master. Um, And that's you if you're a Christian. A Christian is someone who celebrates new life now and an exciting future to come. Amen?